Hi, everyone. I just want to let you know that the language in this episode might get a bit colorful. There are a couple of curse words scattered throughout. So if you have kids around, you might want to save this episode for later. We promise it's not meant to be distasteful. So without further ado, let's get to the show. I think he's guilty. All rise. Department one of the Superior Court of Font Crimes is now in session. Judge Times, New Roman presiding. Please be seated. <clears throat> Good morning, seraphs and sans seraphs. Calling the case of the people of the world, pretty much all of them, versus comic sans. Are both sides ready? The prosecution is ready, Your Honor. The defense is ready, Your Honor. Will the clerk courier please swear in the jury? Will the jury please stand and raise your ascenders? Do each of you swear that you will fairly try the case before this court and that you will return a true verdict according to the evidence and the instructions of the court? So help you, Alphabet. Order! 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 Another outburst like that and you will be escorted out of this court. Now, District Attorney Helvetica, please address the jury. Your Honor, Seraphs and San Seraphs of the court... The defendant, Comic Sans, is charged with crimes against typeface, obstruction of font protocol, and indecent exposure on documents both digital and printed. The evidence I present to you through shocking testimony today proves that the defendant is guilty as charged. Objection! Comic Sans, I would advise you to communicate through your assigned counsel, Ariel Regular. I'm aware you may have some... Bizarre tendencies, but there are procedures here. Your bizarre tendency. <laughs> Proceed, public defender Ariel. Thank you, Judge. Under the letter laws of the land, my client is innocent until proven guilty. During this trial, you will hear no real evidence against my client. Comic Sands is innocent of the charges against them. Welcome to the defining case of our age. It's the trial of Comic Sands. You're listening to Infernal Communication, brought to you by Safbase. I'm your host, Kyla Sims. Today, we're cracking the lid off a can of worms that nearly everyone I've ever met seems to have a strong opinion about. This is one of those unique topics that has captured people's imaginations across professions, industries, and cultures. Of course, I'm talking about the font that everyone loves to hate, Comic Sans. So this episode, we're putting this notorious font on the stand. We're going to get to the bottom of why this font is so infamous and whether it deserves its terrible reputation. What we discover is going to tell us a lot about the world of design and visual communication, but also how our perceptions of something as seemingly mundane as a font may be a reflection of something much bigger than simple aesthetic preferences. So... The first character witness we're going to hear from is someone who is uniquely familiar with Comic Sans. I guess you could call him Comic Sans' cool uncle. It's been a long time coming. <laughs> That's Craig Rosinski, a graphic designer. And I am the creator of Comic New. Craig released this twist on the classic typeface in 2014. So how does it feel to be the father of Comic New? <laughs> Well, if I'm the father, then I guess uh, Vincent Conair is the godfather, isn't he? 
he's the original creator. And I mean, the reason I created it was just because I got sick of people whining about it. There was an opportunity there. Everyone hated Comic Sans. It was a, a punchline. And the thought, you know, occurred to me one day over 10 years ago, why hasn't anyone actually tried to fix it yet? Me being uh, the stickler that I am, I decided to go and, and uh, see if I could fix it. So why don't you take us through how you created it? Sure. Uh, it was a side project. Uh, I had a full-time job and I'd just work on it uh, an hour here, a couple of hours there. About two years later, I was still working on it and I finished it. And I thought, thank God, I never have to think about it again. And I tweeted it to my, uh, I think I had 80 Twitter followers at the time. And within 24 hours, it was trending worldwide on Twitter. And I've been hearing about it ever since. It was a story that was running in all the major news publications around the world. There was a guy from USA Today. The internet has spoken. Comic Sans is the most hated font out there. He was walking down Miami Beach, holding up Comic Sans in one hand and Comic New in the other and asking people which they thought was best. Oh, my God. The original. You like the original? Right. Yes. What do you like about it? It jumps out. It's easy to read. Uh, it just it just took off. And here we are today. Here we just are. Just really yeah. dragging it over the coals. Making podcasts about it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I, I'm curious, what is the nicest comment that you've gotten from somebody uh, for making Comic New? The comment that amuses me most is uh, Vincent Conner's later comment. So originally he made a, uh, a nice comment about it. I think he originally said, oh, it should be more casual. And then uh, Tobias Freire-Jones, who is uh, a very famous uh, type designer, uh, he designed uh, fonts like Gotham, which is on pretty much every movie poster you've ever seen. <laughs> he said something along the lines of, I admire uh, Rosinski's efforts for, for trying to fix this font. And then uh, Vincent replied on Twitter, it's shite. First thing I did <laughs> oh, no. was put that up as a testimonial on the Comic New website. But, um, you know, again, as a designer, uh, you know, if I went back and looked at anything I created 10, 20 years ago, uh, I would be probably be very ashamed. And he has the unfortunate distinction of the work he did 30 years ago is, is still being bandied about. So poor, poor Vincent. <laughs> poor Vincent. <laughs> so let me get this straight. You were inspired to create Comic New because you were tired of hearing people complain about Comic Sans? Yeah. I mean, it's just part of pop culture, isn't it? And people, it's the font that people love to hate. You know, there's a, a movement uh, run by a couple in the States about, uh, you know, ban Comic Sans. And <laughs> um, a favorite of mine is a, a photocopy on a conference room door in a big corporation that says, uh, please uh, keep the door closed. Thank you. And it's printed in Comic Sans. And there's another printout underneath in Helvetica that says, do not use Comic Sans. We are a Fortune 500 company. So it's just a great joke. And I do feel for the original creator who never intended it. Uh, to be what it is today, but uh, that's how it turned out. And how does it actually, for listeners, how is it actually different than Comic Sans? The font was there. I just needed to see, you know, some things are clearly wrong. Uh, the S looks squashed. So I went through and basically uh, cleaned that up. I turned it into something much bigger rather than just fixing Comic Sans regular and Comic Sans bold. I turned it into two different kinds of fonts with six different uh, weights to each one. And I just got a bit carried away, I think. Where do you fall on the debate of loving or hating it? Yeah, I mean, 
I, I have always said that Comic Sans works really well at, at very small point sizes. 3.4 point looks fantastic. <laughs> but um, I, I probably wouldn't use it. The people that do tend to use it, teachers love it. And why do, why do teachers love it? It's it's a casual fun. I don't know if anyone's ever used uh, Comic Sans to try and teach algebra before, but you know anything that might look like hard work, they want it to look as uh, as approachable and friendly as possible. That's what a casual fun is. It's uh, it looks like it's been drawn by hand. So it's popular and it's really big and it's loved because it's there. It's just the availability of it has has given its rise to popularity, I think. But definitely among anyone that thinks they have a little bit of an eye for design and they're partially informed by popular culture as well that never use Comic Sans, don't use it. You're not allowed to use Comic Sans. The perception, the branding of this font has uh, a lot to do with why people don't use it. But for everyone that doesn't really care and they just need to whack a sign on a door telling someone not to do something uh, or, you know, uh, create something for the kids in their class, it, it serves its purpose, which is fine. I think you would be really hard pressed to find a designer that would say, I love it and I'm going to use it. They're probably out there. I would love to find that person. But uh, yeah. <laughs> well, if you ever find them, let us know. We'll have to. <laughs> we'll have you, to let's them interview on. them. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is it like being the only person in the world who likes comics? Yeah. Things? Yeah. But uh, <laughs> one of the questions that really interests me about this subject is take away all of the perception of it. Why is it? visually bad why would people say that it's it's poorer than say a well-constructed font like helvetica and that question really interests me because we hear beauty in the eye of the beholder we hear things like uh, the golden ratio and the rule of thirds and these rules uh, or guides around what makes something look good is that universal or is that something that uh, we've learned? I It's interesting, um, just like sort of diving into that sort of perceptual the connotations or previous associations with things. We talked about actually in our first episode, we talked a lot about how people perceive something and how it changes, whether we believe it's useful or good. And so it's interesting, font choice is one that people get, especially designers, obviously, get very passionate about. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on how our perceptions of a font can influence the way that we interact with things. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're built for story, right? Ever since, basically, since we're born, our parents start telling us stories. We love stories. Anything that has a, a story attached to it is instantly going to be more memorable than something that doesn't. Comic Sense has perhaps one of the most varied stories to it and that that definitely helps explain why it's so popular if you were to describe comic sans as a person what would you picture them as uh daffy duck is that a person that's a that's an animal (laughs) yeah yeah You're listening to Infernal Communication, a podcast brought to you by Staffbase, where we dive into the deeper conversations happening behind some of the biggest comms, problems, and puzzles that impact organizations and beyond. If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure you follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. If you like the show and you want me to keep my job, please leave us a review and let us know what you think. You can also check out the show on our website by going to infernalcommunication.com.
The prosecution may call the first witness. Helvetica Normal, who do you call? The people call Miss Judy Pritchard to the stand. <laughs> do you need some water, Miss? No. No. Thank you, Helvetica. Please, may you address the court with what happened to you? And take your time. I, I will try. <clears throat> it was supposed to be the setup for the perfect day. My fiancé and I were preparing for our wedding. Sending out invitations, you see. We were in a rush, so we typed them out. You all know how wedding planning can get. But despite that, we personalized each invitation with the weight and depth of the love that we felt for each other on every page. It would be the event of the year, the envy of all of our friends and acquaintances. But most importantly, it would have class and timelessness. So when we went to have them printed, it was clear the curving, delicate elegance of Darleston using sentence case was the only sensible choice. Ooh. But then... Then... Take, take your time. It's okay, Pookie. Well... When we got the invitations back, it was outrageous, horrible cruelty. Every letter, every syllable, every sentence was infested with comic sands. With a font like that, everyone must have thought it was some sort of joke. Nobody came to the wedding. No one came. And how many invitations was it, ma'am? Hmm? Uh, I, I don't know. Hundreds. Objection. Is it possible that no one came to your wedding because no invitations were sent in the first place? Objection. Objection. My witness does not have to answer that. How could I? They were horrible. Objection sustained. Sit down at once, Ariel. I didn't get one. Did you get one? No further questions, Your Honor. In this episode, we're evaluating the evidence against the font that everyone loves to hate, Comic Sans. But we're also looking past the punchline to see why it elicits such strong feelings from designers and dilettantes alike. What is it about this goofy sans serif that keeps people talking about it? And what does this all say about the biases that shape our communication norms? While speaking with Craig, we discussed how each typeface has a sort of personality, which takes us to our next witness in this interrogation. How and why do people assign attributes to something as inert as fonts? Yeah, I, I got it out just in case. <laughs> so, so I decided to ask the person who you could say literally wrote the book on this very thing. There she is. <clears throat> it's bigger than your head. <laughs> can you, um, with your book now, can you describe... To our audience, what this book that you've written looks like? Um, well, it's a very large book of 624 pages of everything you ever want to know about the uh, perception of the personality of type. Yeah, it's very large, black binding, it's got my name on the spine, and the year 2007. Dr. Don Shake is a psychologist, former user experience director at Google and one of the founders of Google Fonts. So I need to, right off the bat, throw it to you. How do you feel about Comic Sans? I don't hate Comic Sans. I'm not like, you know, 
a fangirl, but I don't hate it. <laughs> have Have you ever seen it in any like particularly egregious places? I mean, when it's used for like warning signs or resumes. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There are some bad uses of Comic Sans. And that's that's what I don't love about it is people don't use it correctly. What What was the intended purpose of Comic Sans? My understanding is that it was designed to be used as the help bubbles or the speech bubbles for a character that was supposed to be teaching children more about computers to be used in text that was intended for children in a learning environment, like in a fun learning environment. That would make sense. So let's go back to that massive book of yours. Your thesis is quite the volume. Can you take us through your journey in creating this thesis and what prompted you to so meticulously research fonts? When I started as a graduate student at Wichita State University, um, one of the opportunities that was presented to me was to work with Kevin Larson at Microsoft on the legibility, readability of the clear type fonts, which were being developed in that era. You know, this was the era when you would have to buy fonts on CDs. And I had over 2000 fonts installed on my computer. So (laughs) I just, typography is the base of so many of our experiences. And it makes such a difference when things are readable, legible, appropriate, fun when they're supposed to be fun. And I do think typefaces matter. So I proposed and worked with Dr. Shaparo to come up with this idea of doing kind of a modern day evaluation regarding the personality of typefaces and like, do people associate personality with a typeface when they see it on a screen? So there had been a lot of research done, like billboards, advertising, newspapers, you know, things that were print but actually looking at personality of typefaces on screen at a time when we were moving more to on-screen reading and on-screen consumption of information seemed like an interesting journey. And, you know, it just kind of evolved from there to where we ended up doing three big efforts around do people associate personality with typefaces? They do. Do people feel that there's an appropriate typeface for a given document type? They do. And then if you violate those two things, like you use an inappropriate typeface for a document, what happens to the perception of the author of that document? I mean, and this was in 2007? Right. That you Mm -hmm. did your thesis? Mm -hmm. Which is kind of the perfect time because that was like sort of the rise of Facebook. Like everybody was starting on the social media stuff. And MySpace was still around. (laughs) Yeah, I remember. (laughs) (laughs) I had a MySpace. I'd love for you to take us through some of these font personalities. What do people associate with a font like Times New Roman all the way to, let's say, a font like Papyrus? I, d- I did. I didn't. Oh, you're cracking open the oh, book. I'm cracking I love open it. the book. I know. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I created these really beautiful charts that took days of work in Excel. <laughs> Basically, I was asking folks to rate the typefaces on semantic differential scales. So things like quiet, loud, sad, happy. And so then I could create like these beautiful like (laughs) charts. You asked about Times New Roman. I'm turning to my page with Times New Roman here. Was seen as um, 
No, he was not the most masculine. Sorry, that was Courier New was the most masculine. <laughs> um, so Times New Roman is a serif font. And he was kind of middle of the road on everything. <laughs> the most opinionated of the serifs is Courier New. Um, let's see, Papyrus. Let's get over there too. Papyrus is a display font. Ooh. Slightly feminine, slightly soft, delicate, relaxed, beautiful. Hmm. Middle of the road, sad, happy, middle of the road, weak, strong, a little more warm, a little more old, and more legible. It was, in 2007, the most expensive, if you look at expensive versus cheap. Really? Yes. <laughs> Honestly, that makes total sense from the number of restaurants I saw with yes. <laughs> Papyrus title cards. Avatar had not come out yet. And I think Ryan Gosling would agree with you. I think so, yes. (laughs) Um, For our listeners who are not familiar, there's a skit that SNL did about the movie Avatar. Avatar, the giant international blockbuster, used the papyrus font as its logo. And and can you confirm this, Don? That is actually papyrus font. I think it is. I mean, I didn't work with the team or anything, but... It does look it like looks like this. Maybe this is literally papyrus. Maybe that was a starting point, but they clearly modified this. But whatever they did, it wasn't enough. Because typeface matters, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Let's go back to your research again and talk about how a font might be perceived as masculine or feminine or cheap or expensive. How how were you able to discern that in the research? I studied 40 typefaces, and at the time, I was choosing typefaces that were commonly present on people's computers. I mean, what I saw in the research was that it really fell down to the type of typeface or the type of font that you were looking at. So there's serif, sans serif, display, and these different classes really, or the script and handwriting typefaces, those classes, that's really where it broke down. So like, by and large script and handwriting were more feminine versus your sans serif and serif, which were more on the masculine side. So really the results clustered around standard accepted way of classifying typefaces into like one of their bigger groups. I will say before our meeting, I was like, oh, just kind of skim over some of my stuff in my dissertation. And I didn't remember that I asked in my uh, study one, if folks had a favorite or least favorite fonts and the most commonly cited least favorite was Comic Sans. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. (laughs) It was like 25% of people willingly wrote down like in a free form text field, Comic Sans. Oh, I actually didn't include it in my research because I just felt it was so polarizing. That's so funny. And I did include Papyrus where if I was doing it today, I might feel that Papyrus is so polarizing. So... How did you make sure people's perceptions of the fonts were associated with the fonts or the typefaces themselves and not the words that were written in that font? Yeah, so this was uh, an interesting rabbit hole that I went down. It's hard for a reader to disassociate. Like if I read Infernal Communication, I have my own connotations of those words aside from the typefaces. So I actually spent a lot of time researching what might be an approximation to English because I was only running with native English speakers. But I ended up using what's called an n-gram generator. Based on other theories of communication, I decided to use what's called a trigram. 
And basically, if you take a word like infernal, I-N-F is a trigram, N-F-E, F-E-R. So all of those little trigrams. And then I used an expert in the field of typography to rank my trigrams by how commonly they appear in English. And so all of my stimuli was devoid of context because it was written using trigrams. So I tried to separate potential meaning of the text so that I could only focus on the personality of the typeface. That's very smart. Okay, so our audience is mostly communication professionals who are used to choosing fonts for various design purposes like newsletters and bulletins and intranets and all that sort of stuff. And sometimes they even have to push back on various font usage inside organizations to make sure that the brand is cultivating the right perceptions, you know, both internally and externally. So most people play it pretty safe. They stick to the basics. We got our Arial, we got our Times New Roman, etc. But if Communicators want to play a bit more with fonts. What kind of things should they look for when choosing a font for professional communication or in asset design for like a campaign? I still think you have to first pick something that's highly legible. Um, And legibility goes a, a long way. Like if someone can't read your words and your message, it's kind of pointless in creating it. But also just, I do think you need to sort of think about the personality that you want to convey or the attributes that you want to convey in your message. You know, I would not want to see a political ad with Comic Sans or Papyrus. Um, So I (laughs) definitely think aligning something about the attributes, right? Like how a font, and it doesn't have to be scientifically proven to be masculine or to be strong or to be feminine, Mm. but, but just thinking through how does it make you feel when you see that font and maybe asking a few of your friends just in case you do like Comic Sans or <laughs> kind of do a little research on your mm. target audience, but definitely something that's appropriate for the message. And, and that was sort of the one of the big parts of my study three was if you don't align that perception of the personality with its intended use, then your credibility as an author or a distributor of the information is really decreased. So you just want to make a good choice. We're putting Comic Sans on trial for font crimes in this episode. So if you were on the jury, what would be your verdict? Guilty or not guilty? Is it guilty of crimes? Font crimes. I don't think Comic Sans <laughs> did anything. I think humanity did something to Comic Sans. So I would I would let Comic Sans have a pass if I was we'll touch that into account on. Yes. <laughs> And can you explain what happened then, Wingdings? I believe Wingdings. A chilling story indeed. I have no further questions. Defense, the witness is yours for cross-examination. No, Your Honor. Let's just move on to the next witness. Very well. Who do you call? The defense calls the defendant themselves. We call Comic Sans to the stand, Your Honor. Let the record state the defendant is taking the stand to read a prepared statement. Go ahead, Comic Sans. I've had enough. It seems that this court has made up its mind about me before this sham of a trial began. Well, listen up. And now, to read the defiant last statement of Comic Sans, Mike Locker, writer, 
of I'm Comic Sans, asshole. Listen up. I know the shit you've been saying behind my back. You think I'm stupid. You think I'm immature. You think I'm a malformed, pathetic excuse for a font. Well, think again, nerd hole, because I'm Comic Sans. I'm the best thing to happen to typography since Johannes fucking Gutenberg. People love me. Why? Because I'm fun. I'm the life of the party. I bring levity to any situation. Need to soften the blow of a harsh message about restroom etiquette? Slant. There I am. Need to spice up the directions to your graduation party? Wham. There again. Need to convey your fun-loving, approachable nature on your business's website? Smack. Like daffodils in motherfucking spring. You know why, Jagoff? Because I'm famous. I'm on every major operating system since Microsoft fucking Bob. I'm your signs. I'm your browsers. browsers. I'm in your instant messengers. I'm not just a font. I'm a force of motherfucking nature, and I will not rest until every uptight armchair typographer cockhat like you is surrounded by my lovable comic book-inspired sans-serif badassery. Enough of this bullshit. I'm going to go get hammered with papyrus. Well, dear listener, it doesn't look like we've gotten to the bottom of this. So why not tell us what you think? Is Comic Sans the villain we've made him out to be? Or is he just misunderstood and misused? You be the judge. Go ahead and tweet us at Staffbase and tell us your verdict so we can finally put this case to rest. All jokes aside, I think there's a lot to learn from this conversation. Not only about font choice, but about design and all of the little things that play into how communication is perceived and received. Turns out, font choice matters. The medium, after all, is the message. Just like the clothes we wear or the outfits we choose, fonts can say a lot about us. They imbue stylistic quality to the communications we send and hopefully sharpen our impact. Choosing between the stately Times New Roman, austere Helvetica, or the delicate courier is like choosing between a sports coat, a sweater, or a black hoodie. They're all versatile, all classic, but really do say something about you depending on the occasion you're dressing for. And sometimes certain fonts are akin to dressing up in spandex and a cape. And I am a sans serif superman, and my only kryptonite is pretentious buzzkills like you. I'm Kyla Sims, and this has been the trial of Comic Sans. Today, our guests were Dr. Don Shake, psychologist and former user experience director at Google, and graphic designer and creator of Comic New, Craig Rosinski, as well as copywriter and creative director, Mike Locker. Our next episode is going to be dropping right before the new year, which is traditionally a time of reflection. But sometimes that reflection can bring up some pretty challenging feelings. So we're going to be talking about that in our next episode. How do you really feel? Like I went to a bunch of doctors and nobody could help me. They were like basically telling me it was all in my head. Mm. And I was like, okay. It's not helpful. The hives are not in my head. <laughs> Look. <laughs> Other people can see them. How is this in my head? Don't forget to hit follow on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. And if you like today's episode, leave us a review. We would love to know what you think. Until then, thanks for listening. <laughs>